Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization on the campus of the University of Saskatchewan has completed construction and commissioning of its new on-site pilot-scale vaccine manufacturing facility. Vito Director and CEO Dr. Volker Gertz says it's one of the most versatile vaccine manufacturing facilities in the world. And he explains, having access to in-house manufacturing will speed up the development and testing of new vaccines for humans and animals. A global leader in agricultural origination and processing and supply chain management has purchased a pulse crop cleaning, milling and packaging facility in Saskatchewan. With the acquisition of Prairie Pulse, Archer Daniels Midland, or ADM, will double the company's processing in the region. Aaron Brown is ADM's Western Canada Commercial Manager, and he'll tell us about how the pulse de-hulling and splitting facility transforms lentils, chickpeas and peas into shelf and food-ready products for domestic and international consumption. When we come back, Volker Gertz. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Dr. Volker Gertz is the director and CEO of the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization located at the University of Saskatchewan. Uh, Volker, let's start with some background and what prompted the development of an in-house pilot-scale vaccine manufacturing facility. Yeah, thanks. Um, this is really, really exciting for us. Um, what prompted the decision is really the recognition that if you want to develop vaccines or therapeutics in a timely way, in, in a rapid response to a new disease, you have to have in-house capacity. You can't rely on other organizations to manufacture the different components that go into a vaccine. We unfortunately experienced it during COVID when we didn't have access to such a facility. We had to outsource all the manufacturing and that always takes longer. So in the context of a new emerging disease, it is critical that we can rapidly respond and so therefore having access to an in-house manufacturing facility really enables exactly that. So what does the new manufacturing facility uh, consist of and how is it equipped? It's a really, really cool facility. It's probably one of the most versatile facilities in the world. Um, it is capable of manufacturing both human and animal vaccines. And so for human vaccines, um, we have the capability to manufacture vaccines all the way up to phase two clinical trials. And for animals, we can even commercially manufacture vaccines all the way up to to market penetration. And so what that really means is that within the same facility, we can make both human and animal vaccines. So switch over between these um, campaigns from a human vaccine to, for example, an animal vaccine. Furthermore, the facility is tied into our high containment facility. And so we are actually able to make vaccines even for those pathogens that require a higher level of containment. And and lastly, this facility is equipped with equipment that allows us to essentially make all relevant vaccine technologies. So from the newly um, um, developed RNA vaccines to viral vectors, to protein subunit vaccines, to inactivated vaccines, to life attenuated vaccines, 
all of those can be made here in this vaccine manufacturing facility. Now, you you touched on it a bit, but why is an in-house manufacturing facility so important? Responses to new emerging diseases require a a rapid response, right? You have to be able, and now the goal for the G8 countries, in fact, is to have within 100 days a vaccine candidate that can go into clinical testing. So time is is, um, really of significant importance in in time matters in responding to any disease. And so having access to in-house manufacturing capacity allows you to take your prototype candidate that you developed in the lab and that you then demonstrated proof of concept in animal trials it allows you to take this prototype now directly into manufacturing without wasting any time. And so that's really the critical factor here. Having access to in-house manufacturing will enable us to make vaccines much faster. And so how will that affect Lido in the future? Well, it will allow us to now um, manufacture these candidates that we are developing in our research laboratories, that we're testing in our animal models to then Um, manufacture in-house and get to the next phase of clinical testing. And as I mentioned, for animal vaccines, Vida will be able to even commercially manufacture vaccines and and serve those markets um, that that need these new vaccines. So, for example, um, one of the projects that we're looking at right now is um, developing a new vaccine for sheep in Western Canada. Um, You know, the sheep population overall is, is so small that it's not really of great economic interest to to the large commercial manufacturers that are out there, but Vito can serve this niche population by making a vaccine for it and and providing these producers with a new vaccine for, for, you know, like this respiratory disease that currently is causing a lot of problem in Western Canada. So Vito is able of commercially manufacturing vaccines for larger and smaller populations and and so, therefore, it can really fill a critical gap that, that currently exists in Canada. How will the vaccines developed by Vito and manufactured at the new facility actually be used? So, Vito's business model has always been that we develop vaccine. We're a research organization. We do not want to be a commercial vaccine manufacturer. So, Vito's business model has always been that we in partnership with larger organizations, with small and large pharma, um, with collaborators from around the world, that we develop these new vaccines, get them to the manufacturing as just discussed, get them then to the populations that are needed them. But then we would out-license the technologies to company to then commercially produce these vaccines in the future. It's not our goal to use this facility to commercially manufacture one particular vaccine. This is a research facility and its real use, its, its, you know, its um, uniqueness is that we can run many, many different projects in this facility. Um, so we'll never lock it in with one particular product and make that one particular product all year round. Vito has received funding to establish containment level four capacity, which is the highest level. What is the significance of that? It's huge. It's really, really huge. It's it's um, recognizing that Vito is now become Canada's center for pandemic research. 
the leading institute in the country to respond to emerging diseases, new diseases that have the potential to cause the next pandemic. And, and so by upgrading our ability to work even um, in containment level four, which as you said, is the highest level of containment, it allows us to work now in the future with any pathogen, whether it's a human or an animal pathogen. We're calling it our pandemic center project, which has received funding from the federal government, the provincial government, the municipal government, many, many private and corporate donors who over the last few years have given almost $10 million now towards this project. Um, this is for VITO to become Canada's Center for Pandemic Research, being the key, the leading organization in the country to respond to new emerging diseases whether they're human or an animal diseases. And so the upgrade to level four is a critical element in that because it allows us now to work with any future pathogen. The manufacturing facility, as we discussed, is another critical component to it. And we're also building right now a new animal facility that will allow us to house these exotic species from which we often see these diseases emerge, like bats, for example, or reptiles, insects, and so on. All these exotic species from which we see diseases jump into another species or sometimes also jump directly into humans. So how does containment level four change Vito's uh, research capabilities? It will really allow us to, in the future, work with any disease, um, any human or animal disease. It will enable us to to be at the forefront and, and, of responding to these, uh, new diseases. And, um, you know, the significance, of course, is huge. It will essentially double Canada's capacity to respond to these new diseases. There's currently one other level four facility in Winnipeg. And by us becoming the second or the only other level four facility, we're essentially doubling Canada's capacity to respond to these new diseases. And as we know, um, you know, it's hard to say as we're just coming out of one pandemic, but we've seen lots of new diseases emerge over the last decade, and, and we're all predicting that there will only be more in the future. So unfortunately, we will see more disease events, not maybe necessary, always a global pandemic, but there will be new diseases emerging in the future. And it's important that Canada has the domestic capacity to respond to these diseases and make vaccines for Canadians here in Canada. Obviously, Video is going to benefit from the use of this uh, facility. Uh, anyone else able to uh, make use of it as well? Its, um, it's whole design, its whole idea is really to, um, in addition to manufacturing Video's technologies, to also help manufacturing technologies of Canadian small biotech, Canadian larger biotech and pharma. It's a contract manufacturing organization we have already received lots of interest from companies all across the country and, in fact, all across the world who want to come here and have their initial clinical batches, their initial vaccines manufactured, the formulation um, specified and established, and, and, um, and then be ready to start the clinical trial. So this is filling a critical gap in Canada's innovation landscape, if you want, in that it allows the early manufacturing of these vaccines, taking prototypes, as I described earlier, 
in rapidly into clinical development. So there is a huge need for this, and, and we're very glad now that we finally have um, this facility up and running, and we're excited to do all starting the work and on it as you know as early as in fact in a few days. Thanks for this, uh, Volker. Anything uh, that you wanted to add? Any final thoughts? No, just uh, thanking you for your interest. I think it's critical as we look around the world um, to have these kind of facilities. If we look at um, where the vaccines were developed for the pandemic for COVID. Um, it was done in institutions like the Jenna Institute at the University of Oxford, who made the AstraZeneca vaccine, or the Vaccine Research Center at the NIH in the U.S., who developed the Moderna vaccines. Those facilities, those institutes have, have already all these things that we just discussed. And so, you know, globally, these are the, the, the facilities, these are the institutes that can respond rapidly to the new diseases. And so we're very excited for Vito to be part of this um, very small global group now. Dr. Volker Gertz is the Director and CEO of the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization, or Vito, as it is known, uh, located at the University of Saskatchewan. After the break, Aaron Brown with Archer Daniels Midland talks about the company's purchase of a new processing facility in Saskatchewan. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. One of the four large global agribusiness companies has purchased the Prairie Pulse Inc. facility at Banskoy to increase its pulse processing footprint in Saskatchewan. Archer Daniels Midland, or ADM as it's more commonly known, will double the company's processing in the region. Aaron Brown is ADM's commercial manager for Western Canada. I think one of our objectives has been to grow our pulse origination and and trading in Canada, our growing footprint in our destination marketing, as well as expansions in uh, our nutrition portfolios have left us a little bit of a hole in Canada from a pulse origination perspective. We've got uh, a facility in North Battleford and uh, the facility in Vanskoy is a nice complement to add to our grower origination. I think from a Vanskoy perspective, we're looking forward to Introducing ADM to the farm base who who aren't already dealing with us or other locations, you know, taking stock of of the asset and uh, introducing some new products uh, that the uh, the facility uh, adds to our portfolio, and uh, increasing the throughput capacity on on the facility as we expand and, and integrate some of the products in, into our ADM network. We we definitely want to uh, we want to uh, leverage the facility and uh, increase throughput uh, through the facility, which will add more delivery opportunities for pulse growers in the region. Are you reaching out to those producers right now? Absolutely. You know, I think we want to uh, to make sure that we're reaching out to our existing ADM customer base through our connection points with with our fertilizer groups, with our oil seed. Uh, procurement uh, teams, as well as uh, making sure that uh, the Prairie Pulse growers are, are comfortable with the current staff uh, staying with the organization and uh, with ADM uh, adding new opportunities for them. How many people are working in Vanskoy at this facility? Right now, there are currently uh, eight employees at the facility and uh, you know, as we as we scale up production and trading, we'll we'll definitely look to be adding to that in the coming months. 
And is part of the strategy then making sure that uh, you have a plant close to where the pulse crops are being grown? For sure. I think you look at the Van Scoy area, it's in the uh, the heart of the pulse acres of, of Saskatchewan and the proximity to Saskatoon for truck rail and container services uh, makes it one of the regions we were looking to invest for expanding our business. Then you must be looking at a pretty large radius considering that chickpeas are primarily grown a little further south. Yeah, I think the radius is as big as it needs to be to, to source the quality products that our uh, our end use customers demand. Uh, and Prairie Pulse has has some of those existing relationships already in place, and we just want to continue to grow and leverage those. Aaron Brown, ADM's commercial manager for Western Canada, ADM has acquired Prairie Pulse processing facility at Vanskoy. And here are the top agriculture stories for the week of July 3rd, 2023. Fertilizer Canada joined a growing list of organizations putting pressure on the federal government to take immediate action to end the work stoppage at West Coast ports. President and CEO of Fertilizer Canada, Karen Proud, said potash is essential to global food security and it's concerned the strike will jeopardize the delivery of that to farmers around the world. She said the fertilizer industry depends on reliable supply chains and the strike is one of many recent disruptions. Canada exports 95% of its potash with the majority flowing through the port of Vancouver. The federal and provincial governments announced a funding agreement with AgWest Bio. Over the next five years, AgWest will receive $9.5 million to advance their work in the agriculture biotechnology sector. The four main objectives include direct support to innovative companies on the path to commercialization, creating connections and growing the ecosystem, promoting agricultural biosciences and developing high-performing teams. The Canada Greens Council announced two new members to its leadership. Pierre Patel has been named the board chair, while Greg Cherwick is vice chair. In his position as president and CEO of CropLife Canada, Patel leads the association's advocacy efforts for regulatory frameworks that enable innovative agriculture solutions to come to market in Canada. Cherwick is a highly respected leader in the Canadian pulse industry. He has over two decades of experience at Pulse Canada, including his role as president. CGC extended gratitude to outgoing chair Rick White for his service and commitment to Canada's grain sector. The Potato Growers of Alberta released what it's calling a landmark study on the economic impact the potato industry has on the province. The study estimated the total economic contribution of the potato sector in Alberta at $2.78 billion. In terms of jobs, the potato sector in the province creates 9,290 full-time equivalent positions with $662 million in employment income. The contribution to GDP was pegged at $1.33 billion. Sask Canola and Sask Flax have been exploring options for amalgamating the two crop organizations and are now looking for feedback. Under the plan, Sask Canola would assume the mandate for Sask Flax for flaxseed and straw, including research, advocacy and market development investments and accompanying communications. 
All Saskatchewan canola and flax growers were sent a notice in the mail encouraging them to participate in the online consultation survey, which will remain open to gather their input from now until November 17th. Survey results will be shared at both Crop Commission's AGMs in January. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, tell your friends, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Patterson Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.